My name is Bonnie Landry. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast with my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, where we explore the questions about homeschooling and family life and how we can make joy normal. A few weeks ago, I interviewed Johanna Segrin, a Catholic mom who is also a licensed professional counsellor. She's been working on developing a faith-based emotional regulation program for the whole family. The time of our interview, the program was almost at its completion and she had a a pre-launch kind of a beta program that she was doing and now she's ready to launch with her official launch party because the program is complete. Until the end of March, she's offering $15 off the regular price of this program and I'll put the link to that in the show notes. I'll also put the link to that episode because it will help you really understand what she's doing with her program and why she's doing it. It was a really good interview. She explains what emotional regulation is and how our families actually benefit most when it's something that we learn together. Starting tomorrow, which will be March 20th, there will also be a Five Senses Instagram giveaway with lots of prizes and a chance to win a free Interior Kingdom program for your family. So be sure to follow her at Interior Kingdom Program on Instagram to stay abreast of the details that are happening. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very well. Very, very well. You guys are starting to see spring though, aren't you? Oh, serious spring. Yeah. Yeah. The tulips, daffodils, crocuses. What's that? Is it warmer too? Yeah, it was. I mean, we had a bit of a cold snap. I mean, for Vancouver Island, it was a cold snap because it goes below zero. So that's, you know, cold snap for us. We, so that was our last week was kind of frosty and sunny. It was really pretty, but you know, a bit unusual for us in, in February. And then, um, yeah, last couple of days has really warmed up. So today was, oh, I'm not very good at doing the transfer of, uh, so it was like 13, 14 degrees today. Uh, so what would that be for you guys? Probably 65. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was lovely. It was just felt, wow. Okay. This is feel, really feeling like springs here now. Yeah, so if we get another beautiful. cold snap, we'll be all bummed out. <laughs> I'm bummed because it's still, we're still getting in the 20s at night. Yeah. We got up to, I think, 47 today, but it's still just gloomy. Feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, soon. really ready. It's for soon. Spring. It is. No. <laughs> Not soon enough. I know. Spring always feels like such a long time away. Uh, so you have some questions? I do. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll just dive right in. Let's do it. I was wondering... If you have any non-negotiable lessons for a day, so say you have a day where you're just kind of dragging, you know, with the little ones, but you want to get something done. Do you have anything that you pick that, okay, we're definitely doing dictation today or we're definitely doing math? You know, what would those be? Yeah. Well, there was no subject that was going to be the mountain that I would die on. I'm not going to end up in a big fight with my kids about doing something. That's just, was just my modus operandi. But the things that I tried to do every day was math and dictation and reading for sure, like a lot of reading out loud to my kids. So so those would be the things if everything else got sidetracked, that's okay. And you know, like busy times of life if somebody's sick or if I'm sick or if I've, you know, had a baby or whatever, those would be the things that I would be the last thing I would let go of and the first thing I'd start up again. Because they're short and efficient, you know, that would be the, the main reason. So, yeah, definitely dictation, math, and reading aloud. I think that's similar here in our house. I feel like that because we've had illness in our house again, and I feel like we've been pretty. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding out for spring. <laughs> 
I know. You guys have just been hammered. Yeah, it's been our year for sure. (laughs) But we're able to get that stuff done. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to sort of have the short list. If you you shortlist, then... You think, okay, well, I, rather than looking at all the things you didn't do, you can, okay, well, I got the I got the nuts and bolts done today, and I don't need to fuss about everything else. And even for people, you know, this sort of a rotation scheduling that some people do, I think I did it sometimes sort of accidentally in the sense that I would think, okay, we haven't done uh, science for a couple of days, so we better do science by prioritized science, you know. I think, though, that that could be something that you have a couple of subjects you do every day, and then you loop kind of loop schedule the other things. Yeah. Yeah. I had another thought and it vanished. (laughs) I'm sure it'll come back. (laughs) But would you have any, um, since you brought up science, would you have any recommendations for, you know, maybe books that have helped you teach science? Yeah. Well, I really relied heavily on some world books products, right? So World Book has a a series. They have a couple of series that were really helpful. One is called Childcraft, which is not exclusively science, but certainly some of the books are science oriented. It's kind of a a really broad subject area. Uh, They they do things like arts and crafts and uh, cultures and poetry and stories and science and, you know, sort of a a really broad range in a very sort of child-friendly format. And they're all cross-referenced and whatnot. So say, for example, if they mention weather in one of the books, anywhere else that it mentions weather, it will also point you to those articles. So that's that was really nice, as when, especially with quite young kids. And then there was another series that I don't think they make anymore, but they probably make something similar to it called Young Scientist. And I use those so much. They were so good. I'm going to write my resources down because I don't want to forget to tell you. So Young Scientist, Childcraft, absolutely um, the encyclopedias, like World Book Encyclopedias were fantastic for that sort of thing. There was another book that I, I believe is still in print that I just loved that was called Science Is. Okay, dot, dot, dot. It was the coolest book. It gave you, it was a big, thick, you know, sort of one inch paperback book that gave you piles of experiments that you could do with your kids. And it would tell you what, what categories does this, what subject areas does this cover? So every single experiment has a little key on it saying to cover language, it covers weather, it covers geography, it covers whatever. It might tell you like not necessarily always always science subjects, but it would tell you all the subjects that each, each one covered. And the book had sort of three sections. One was like super easy experiments with things you're always going to have around your house. The next one were ones that would require a little more work. You know, you might have to buy something. And then ones that were more involved, you know, that you would probably be more likely to do with older kids. And it was such a fun book. It was just fun and easy and inexpensive, right? A really inexpensive way to to do science stuff. From that, we also, we did quite a bit of Catholic heritage curricula, Behold and See, and they're, they're graded. Have you used them? No, I've not heard of that. Okay. They're graded, but they, uh, we, I just use them. Like I would get one book and use it as a family book. Yeah. So lots of really, really good resources that we just kind of had in the house. Eyewitness books too are always fantastic. There's the whole science end of eyewitness and they're so visual and so attractive. And then there's the whole social studies end of eyewitness as well, all the historical uh, books and culture, um, books that talk about culture and whatnot. Those were heavy on all those things. Okay. My inexperienced 
homeschool mom uh, uh, that I am, I got the A Becca. <laughs> You're getting there. You're getting up there though in years. My goodness. <laughs> I got the A Becca. Is it the creation? Science is creation. I don't know what it's called. I, I've heard you either love it or you don't. And I've, I've enjoyed it because I feel like it just gives all the information and I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm giving the information to the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what I've used, but I did have a mom friend of mine after mass. She was like, I don't like that book. like yeah it happens some people love it some people don't yeah yeah i've never really been uh, used a becca so yeah i'm not really familiar you know the other thing that just popped into my head that was a really remarkable science resource if you have a really good atlas like we have we have actually two really good full size you know great big like a coffee table size book kind of atlases and in the beginning so an atlas is primarily learning about geography but in the beginning of a good atlas and watch for it if you're in the market for one or if you see one secondhand because they are the kind of thing you see garage sales and things like that. The first section of the of the atlas will often talk about the science side of geography. You know, what are different land masses called? What are different uh, water masses called? Uh, how does weather affect things? How does land uh, formations affect weather? You know, all that kind of stuff. And it's it, that was a really interesting way to learn science was through the atlas. It's a good idea. Yeah. Also, I guess just getting out in nature is mm-hmm. a great way to learn some science too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can't do anything else, what a great way to... Uh, to just get outside and chill out with your kids and also because their kids are scientists, right? So they, you know, they wonder about everything. They ask questions, they sort, they make guesses, you know? And so, uh, yeah, if you can get a field guide to different things, you know, local plants as they get older or even just things like looking, you know, say you have a lot of deciduous trees, just looking at the leaves and comparing the leaves of one tree and another tree, right? They don't have to know, they just have to notice. And so, especially when they're young, right? So if they can just start noticing things that when you introduce the idea of that different tree leaf shapes have different kinds of names and they, you know, respond differently to their change in color or whatever. And some trees have needles and not leaves. And then they've already got a sort of a bank of knowledge that the things that they just noticed, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it's funny. You said that kids are little scientists and I was putting my youngest down for a nap and I came downstairs to find my three-year-old sitting at the counter with a child-safe knife, cutting into an avocado, and it's all over. And she just looks at me and is smiling, you know, like, look what I've done. <laughs> Yay, me. <laughs> she's, she's my one. She's the fourth, and she's the one that I have not ever cared that she's gotten messaged. She's dug her hands into jars of Nutella and peanut butter and dumped hot chocolate on our floor. And it's just, to me, I look at it as, oh, you're learning. (laughs) What was it? You had a video or something that you had shared a year or so ago about something she had gloriously Uh dumped all over your rug or something. It was probably (laughs) hot chocolate, like the powder hot chocolate mix. You know? Oh, she's, she's funny. But they are learning and that's a very cool, it's a very cool attitude, you know, and of course we have to have limits to what they can get into, but it's a very cool attitude to have when our kids are doing that sort of thing because it prevents us getting mad about it, first of all, but also just to wonder, wonder with them, right? Whoa, look at this, look at the size of this pit. (laughs) Well, I think also I keep my cool if it's something that I can 
manage cleaning up. If it's something that I look and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to clean this up, I might not be as gracious. Right. Yeah, yeah. We used to keep a basket. I still do, actually. But when the kids were small, I always had a laundry basket in my laundry room that just had a whole bunch of old towels in it. And we called them the spill towels. If we had a big spill or even glass or something like that, I would just say to one of the older kids, run and get a spill towel or two so that I could throw it over the puddle before anyone slipped in it or the glass before anyone got cut or whatever, then I could clean it up. Like, sorry, like to sort of get the kids sorted out. Okay. You need to be over here. You need to be over here. Then I'll clean it up. But it was the handiest thing to have spill towels. That's a good idea. Yeah. And you know, you can just get them at a thrift store or whatever, get great big gold beach towels or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Box is a product that was created by dads who were looking to mitigate screen time for their own children. They developed the Tony Box, which is a screen-free listening device. It comes with baby-proof characters that hold content and sit on top of the Tony Box. They have songs and stories. Tony Box is always adding new content, new characters that have different songs and stories on them. There is a, a creative component as well. So you can get a blank Tony that you can tape your own songs or stories or content onto. It's completely toddler and preschool friendly, practically indestructible. My own grandchildren have it. I would encourage parents who, particularly if you're struggling with screen issues with your kids, to check out what Tony Box has to offer. And they've got an excellent website, which will tell you a lot more about the Tony Box and what it can do for your family, the content they have available for your kids listening. I appreciate Tony Box supporting this podcast. So you've talked a lot about how your family would dig deep into a unit. You you used the example of the Underground Railroad that your kids really were interested in that. Mm -hmm. And you spent, what did you say, months on that or something? Mm -hmm. Well, months on slavery. Yeah. Right. So that was one aspect of it. But yeah, they were really fascinated with that. Well, so I love that idea. But I have kids, because I have my boys first. I know you had your girls first, right? Mm-hmm. My boys are just not interested really in digging deep. And so, like, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, like, let's talk about George Washington. What clothing did they wear? And they're kind of like, eh. You know? Yeah, I would say I would say my boys were less enthusiastic, for sure. Yeah. Uh, they tended to respond, if I wanted them to sort of dig deep in a topic, they tended to respond really well to field trips. Okay. So, you know, for example, if you can, if you want to talk about George Washington, could you go to Mount Vernon? But like, like seriously, though, if you could go to some historical site that was significant and, you know, maybe that's just nearby you and you could make a day trip out of it. Maybe it's a big, you actually do a holiday. on, And so leading up to the holiday, you talk about what you're going to see and you watch some videos on it. Even if you can find, I would always do that ahead of time if I wanted to find a video on a particular topic. I would do that ahead of time and then show them rather than, you know, the whole screen numbing out, you know, to avoid that. You know, there's some great resources, right? Or, or reenacted reenactments of battles or things like that. Uh, then it's a way of sort of salting the oats. So you're going to salt the oats differently with different kids, you know, but I know, I know we, the years that we did that a lot, I mean, we always sort of dug deep, but I would say the girls, were more keen on digging deeply into culture. The boys really wanted to dig deeply into weaponry and battles and vehicles and, you know, different things. Like not all of them had the same interest, but t- they tended to be more the things that they were interested in was what they wanted to, where they wanted to go. Right. So if we could bring that in, like Viking ships, for example, if you're studying Vikings, 
talk about the ships, talk about the fighting, talk about the weapons, you know, and the other stuff comes into it, but dig deep right. on, on what's yeah. going to really capture their yeah, attention. Yeah, that's good. Which actually brings me yeah. to, um, I, I've shared, and I don't think I've told you this yet, but, um, I've shared how my oldest really just struggles with spelling and he's just not really as interested in academics and it's been kind of a a battle off and on. Well, we got that poetry. Is it the My Favorite Poems, that book you recommended a couple episodes ago? Yeah, Favorite Poems Old and New. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So we got that book and we were kind of flipping through and I saw, um, I didn't really have a, I guess, a lesson plan for the day. And I saw the Gettysburg Address was cool. in there. And so I was like, oh, we can, you know, take a look at this. And and he goes, can we do it for dictation? And I was like, we can do cool. some of it, sure. And so he got into it. And I only planned to do like the first paragraph of it that everybody knows, right? And um, But we went all into it. That's and amazing. we're still working on it. And he goes, you know, I didn't really used to like school, but now I don't know why, because it's great. <laughs> That's amazing, right? So, yeah, working with what their interest is. There is a an audio of, I think it's Johnny Cash saying the Gettysburg Address. And it, oh, it Cash. is stellar. It is stellar. Stellar. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. We can put it in the show notes because it's just it was just short, of course, only a few minutes long. But his voice is just so gravelly and fantastic. It's just yeah, yeah, you'd love it. Well, and to add to that, so then we kind of went, I said, well, we need to you guys need to know what Gettysburg was and what happened there. So we pulled out another history book and we were talking about it. And my 10 year old goes, well, that's when iron ships were made. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'd never heard that. And I looked into it and he was right. Okay. There are times where I'm not teaching and they're still learning. And this is amazing. Yeah. In spite of you. (laughs) (laughs) So they, you know, sometimes they teach me, but they learned it from this book series called. So the first one in the series is called one dead spy. Okay. And it's this whole series. Some of them, there is one on slavery. So parents might want to look into it ahead of time. But they're graphic. Can you send me the link to those or a picture or something? My kids love them. And there was one called Big Bad Ironclad. And it was about, you know, Gettysburg and all that kind of stuff. So they had the knowledge already. And it was just review. And here I'm learning. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what, and what a cool thing, like, could that ever be a road trip for you? Like, even if it was three years from now that you could go to Gettysburg, right? It's amazing. We've been, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I've been, and, and I don't remember as I told my, cause my dad's huge history buff. So, and my okay. aunt and uncle live in Pennsylvania. So cool. we've been like my childhood, we would go there a lot, but I thought I stayed like my uncle and my dad went on to Gettysburg and my myself and my cousins, we weren't welcomed. <laughs> I just meant the, the guys wanted to have their thing without us small kids saying, can we right, right, right. <laughs> Their history time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but what a cool thing because what whatever he's learning now, when you revisit that, 
And you will at some point. We always revisit everything. You know, what a cool thing. He's got this beautiful foundation. And then, you know, one day you could could go there, right? It's just so cool to be able to offer our kids that. We're planning road trip to do Mount Rushmore this summer. And so there... Well, I was going to say, yeah, you should go to Mount Rushmore. We've never been. Be awesome. I'm excited. We actually... We started talking about this like a year ago and the kids have not forgotten and they're really excited and they know that there's a secret passage behind, I think, Lincoln and Mount Rushmore. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be, well, I've heard it's like cool, but also boring at the same time. But maybe it just depends. Right. Maybe maybe under underwhelming once you're actually there or something. I don't know. But anyway, I, I love I think that's what's cool about homeschooling is the road trips, the educational trips you yeah. can take. So Yeah. Yeah, thank you for those links. I just got them. I do things <laughs> like that before I forget. <laughs> yes, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, so have you got other questions? I do. So this you might have to think about for a little bit so because I'm, I'm catching you off guard with it. But I was wondering if you could recommend a single resource maybe that's not the world books. <laughs> Ooh, this will be tricky. <laughs> for different periods in history. So maybe ancient times, um, medieval times, and then for American history as well as Canadian history, because I know we have a lot of Canadian listeners too. Well, I mean, I think that one of the single resources that has only, you know, it's quite new is the history series by Philip Campbell. And we have two episodes where I interview Philip Campbell. So uh, we could, you know, if people wanted to know more about that, but he goes right through at a very much a middle school level. But what's interesting is that Lydia and I are, I mean, Lydia's, you know, grade 11, but we, we're going through the one that's ancient times and, and the early church, right? And it's very, it's very simple and straightforward. And apparently there's also audio, like there's stories throughout it. And you can actually get the audio stories that you can listen to. We haven't done that. We've just been reading the book. It's simple and straightforward and really puts the pieces together really, really clearly. Okay. So that I found to be an incredibly helpful resource and something that I wish I had had earlier because I just feel like it would have been something I would have really enjoyed with my kids, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. We're doing it now and, and it's great, but it's a very, very well done resource and very straightforward, like the ideas and how history fits together. And of course, it's a, it's a simplified version, but you can go deeper whenever you want if you use your world book. <laughs> you know, if your kids are older, you can give them supplementary reading or whatever. So I have found that really helpful. We used our, one of the main books that we used other than novels, obviously we were always working off of a novel. Right. Right. There's a book called, it is out of print, but you know, probably fairly inexpensive to get called let the authors speak and let the authors speak is a book list of books by a homeschooling mother organized by century. So you can go in whatever you're studying. It is, it is the like I I have two copies and both of them are fallen apart. I've used them so much. I have to punch, hole punch them, put them in a binder because I have used them and used them. It's how I basically planned my school year. What's it called? Let the Authors Speak by Carolyn Hatcher. It is worth its weight in gold. My most used book right after that would be Favorite Poems, Old and New, but just stellar. So help you pick your novels. It also has nonfiction books in it, but Primarily what I used it for was to choose historical novels so we could study an era. 
we would use supplementary books to go along with that. So it might be, say, for example, we were studying ancient Egypt. We would get like the eyewitness books or book, book or books on ancient Egypt. You know, a trip to the library, you're always going to find resources on ancient cultures or Canadian history or whatever. Because we are Canadian, we did study American history. And I, I did just use the, the um, world book for that. But that was really good because I just felt it was important for my kids to know Canadian history. So we spent one year doing that, and then we made this amazing road trip out to the Eastern Seaboard, which was fantastic. So in terms, but in terms of recommending American history books, I wouldn't be your best choice to to recommend American history books being Canadian. <laughs> but I suspect whatever CHC has for history is probably really well done because most of their stuff is. And again, I, whatever, even if it's a graded book, I would use the same book and just read it to all my kids uh, alongside whatever novels we read. The other sort of thing, oh, for Canada, there's a beautiful book for younger kids called My First History of Canada. So it would definitely be geared at younger, but again, it's a very simple format of history. It's very simple. History is very simply presented. It was really helpful for me when I first started reading it because I was able to understand the big pieces of history more cohesively, right? Because I, my understanding of Canadian history was very poor. The other book that we used is called The Story of Canada. And then I wrote a book because, because Carolyn Hatcher's book, she's an American author, so heavy on American history, for sure. A little bit of Canadian history, but not much. I wrote a book similar to hers, only just on novels to read to study Canadian history. So it's called Great Books to Study Canadian History. You know, kind of a supplement. It was intended really as a kind of a Canadian supplement to the work that she had done. So yeah, so that was, those were our main resources. Right? For Canadian families as well, there is a resource called Kids Can Press. Their books are not all exclusively Canadian history or Canadian people. They have really good resources, science, history, culture, that is Canadian specific. It's a, you know, Canadian uh, press company. I found their books really charming, you know, so that was, uh, that was a really good book. So is, are there any American history books that you could recommend? I would have to think on that more. <laughs> I mean, we do use the world books. Okay. As a kid, I was really interested in the Holocaust. Um, I think it was just this, how could this have actually happened that kind of, um, I won't say morbid curiosity, mm -hmm. but for lack of a better phrase, yes. Um, and so I have a couple like novels that I would recommend for that. As a kid, I also enjoyed, there was this yeah. series of books. I don't remember what they're called, but they were diaries and they were written, fictional people were writing their diaries. So there was one that was on the Titanic writing her diary, you know, for all of that. So I enjoyed those as well. So I can look those up and send a link to add. Okay. I think right. they were all women. I think we had a couple of these. Yeah. I don't know as a parent reading them now, if I'd still think they were any good, but I did keep me interested in wanting to learn more about history, which is. Yeah. Cool. Okay. It would be the same series. We had two or three of those books. One was on like uh, Marie Antoinette or something like that. Like the, the yeah, historical 
uh, and and the diaries that they kept. So you learn the history through the diary. Yeah, yeah, a couple of those were enjoyed around here for sure. Well, I would re strongly recommend parents try and get a hold of uh, Let the Authors Speak. It's just such a stellar book and very heavy on American history. And there are some fantastic kids um, novels or young adult novels that are historic. And I never, we never read one book from her recommended list that, that we didn't like. Right. So she was a, she was a particular, you know, she had a particular gift for good literature, I think, and, and being able to discern, you know, what's going to be an enjoyable read. And some of them, you know, lots of them are classics, but you know, our American history was primarily read through those novels with, you know, supplementary books. So great list of every sort of era in American history. Okay. I did think of one and I haven't really flipped through it in its entirety yet, but at Costco, I saw a book um, and it was written by the same people that do those, they're those, what are they called? The, you know, those things you fan out and they're like the questions and answers for kids to use. It's like from grades one through three, they have them. So the same people that created those um, wrote these books. So they have one that's everything you need to ace American history. And so it's written as if it's somebody's notebook that they're taking notes in class. So things are highlighted or underlined and in different ways. What are the most important things? That's yeah, a good idea. So we, cool. we got one of those and we flipped through it for the Gettysburg address and the information with that to right. kind of look a little deeper. I can half recommend those. You know, I know sometimes different authors kind of get history. I won't say wrong, but different. Mm hmm. Yeah. Revisionist history. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's something that if, if I mean, we should question everything. So even if it's a good Catholic book or it's a good, highly recommended book or whatever, we should use alternate resources because sometimes we can read a novel and it'll explore a um an era or a event one way and then whatever re other resources you're using it's different so yeah we need to fact find you know that's important and the reality is that many times in history we don't we don't actually know what happened there are records but a record always has a bias to it somebody's point of view and they're not intending to be biased but somebody has their point of view and so they're going to explore the the subject matter from that point of view. So it's, a, it's an important critical thinking skill for our kids to understand is what, you know, is this accurate? Can we know if it's accurate? How do we know if it's accurate? Right? So those are important things to, again, we don't have to have all the answers, but we should have all the questions. Right. Well, I think dinosaurs are a perfect example. When I was a kid, mm -hmm. dinosaurs didn't have feathers. Now they do. So fun. Things are changing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And things like, you know, even when you get your toy plastic dinosaurs and they're painted, you know, uh, red or brown or whatever. Well, do we know what color they are? Actually, we don't know. You know, nobody knows. And so I wonder, you know, I wonder. And yeah, it's a great, it's just a great thing for our kids to be able to, to wonder and stew and yeah. Well, that's all the questions I have. I don't know if you want to add anything, you know, circle back to anything, but no, I think we covered a lot of territory, actually, in a very short time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So why don't we call that a wrap, and I will see you next week. Great. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Bye.